0: Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Listen in as we connect with other creative entrepreneurs and have real conversations about life, business, and everything in between.
1: Owning a creative business doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming, and you don't have to go at it alone. It's absolutely possible to be successful as a modern creative, and we want to help you to go after your own creative dreams. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Modern Creative Podcast. Today, we have a guest speaker on with us to chat about using video in your business. You've probably been hearing all the hype about video being the next big thing. So if you ever wanted to start using video, then this is going to be a really helpful episode for you on how to get started and be sure to stick around to learn more.
0: So like Diana said, we have a guest with us today, and Estrella is the owner of La Chispa Studio, which is a video branding and editing studio based in Madrid. Estrella helps her clients create on-brand video content for Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and more. Estrella, we're so happy to have you with us today. If you want to say hi to our listeners.
2: Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yay!
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I'm so excited. So Estrella and I were actually connected through like mutual business acquaintances. So that's just a tip for you guys, like connect, network, do all the things. But um, we're so excited to chat about video in particular, because I think Diana and I are actually, not weirdly, but Diana and I are comfortable with being on camera. But then I realize that that's not the case for everybody yet. Like, diana said in the intro it is really important and everyone's talking about video so i just kind of wanted to start with you know why is video so important for creative business owners to implement in their marketing
2: strategy so the stats on video are pretty clear that 72 percent of consumers prefer video over text when learning about a product or a service and that over 50 percent of people who see video on social media follow up and research either by going to that brand's profile or searching on google And that's great, but for me, it's important because it's the closest thing we have in the digital world to meeting someone in real life. And like, you're showing them the person behind the business, they can see your face, hear your voice, and they can associate your business with a real, living, breathing person. And because of that, out of all the content mediums right now, like blog posts, photos, podcasts, I think it is the fastest way to grow the know, like, and trust factor, which is really powerful. Like just last week, I made a buying decision based on videos. I'd been wanting to join a mastermind for a few months, so I researched possible options and followed their social profiles. And they more or less offered the same features, you know, accountability, a few one-on-one calls, a Facebook group, but it was by watching their videos, either IG stories or Facebook lives, that I eventually chose one, and I chose her without hesitation. And the coach had done a really amazing job using video content to share her values and how she approached business, which was aligned to my beliefs. And that's how I knew it was her community I wanted to invest in. And now more than ever, people are making buying decisions based not just on what they're buying, but who they're buying from. And I think consumers want to buy from brands whose values align with theirs because it makes them feel good to support those companies.
0: I completely agree. And I love how you said it's about the like, know, and trust. Because when you were talking, I was like, oh, ding, ding, ding. People want to do business with those that they like, but without really knowing people in real life, like you don't really know that, right? Like all of our podcast listeners, minus our friends, like they don't really know Diana and I in real life. But somehow through our podcast or somehow through our separate videos, because we do both go live on video, like they feel like they know us. And that's what we want because that creates a connection with our audience. So yeah, like know and trust. It's really, really important in business, guys.
1: Plus you get to get to know their humor. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The and it's like what, the way they talk and stuff.
0: Exactly. And for like in your example, Ashella, for the coach that you ended up signing up with, it's like that is one, a big investment. Like I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching and it's all because you like what they offer, but you like them as a person or however Whatever persona they put on video. You know, so yeah, I completely agree with that. So important. I'm like, oh, I hope that you guys like us on video now as I say <laughs> all of these things out loud. So I think it just means like you don't need to be some YouTube personality, right? But you can use video in other ways. Like it's not just about YouTube. I mean, Ashelle, yeah. you mentioned like Facebook Live. Like, what's one of your favorite video platforms to use right now? Or what is do you think is like the most impactful?
2: I think right now it is Instagram stories just because, you know, there's not a lot of commitment to watch. So people are more likely to watch it. And mm-hmm. it's like you feel like it's intimate because it's not as polished. It mm-hmm. seems behind the scenes and it seems more real.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Estrella. And I think it's really cool because for creative business owners, like for me, there's a lot of visual elements to our business. And sometimes like we on Instagram, you feel pressured to post the final product that's styled and beautifully photographed and edited but with with stories you can show the behind the scenes and the messiness and kind of like the more raw files so I completely agree like Instagram stories feels a little bit like less put together and more raw that makes people like trust you and like you faster I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. I feel it feels less polished. And like people are looking for that. I've actually read that even on Instagram posts, people are not really engaging as much with like flat lays or those super Mm -hmm. stylized photos, they want to see real life, quote unquote, real life. So I think that's why Instagram stories is doing really well. I think we're just like, over this phase of super curated feeds.
0: Yeah, you know, like I think that that was a thing that Mm -hmm. was happening. And it got it worked well for Instagram. And then suddenly there was this thing of like, okay, but who's the maker or the creator behind it. So I agree with you. I love Instagram stories. Plus, you get filters.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those are fun.
0: It's like I always have the dog ears filter if you ever watch me on Instagram stories. So people know that so kind of also plays into like branding, I guess. I'm the crazy lady with the dog ears.
2: (laughs) I think it's also like generational. So I'm 31. And I think my generation is more about presenting very professionally very uh polished and the generation after us who are like 20 and younger they're much more comfortable sharing that messy side of their life they're not really judging other people for that because they do feel it's more real and more authentic to that experience
1: it's actually like celebrated like
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: you know what i mean like i love okay so i think one video that i think is being received really well are those videos where Like influencers or um, people who make videos are um, just being extra flashy and they go to like a normal setting and people are staring at them because that's really what happens in real life. But they now include that part in the video and you just kind of are making fun of yourself and that makes you more
2: likable, too. Yeah, for sure. You're not taking yourself so seriously and you're not afraid to show up as you are instead of showing up as you think people want you to be. I didn't even think about the
0: generation or like the age thing Mm -hmm. because I'm also in my 30s and I don't mean I don't have a problem being on camera but I didn't think about it and you're right like the 20 year olds now grew up with snapchat is that still mm-hmm. a thing I, I, I don't know yeah i think so but they like just grew up with it so you're right and also diana i want to know what videos you're watching because now i want to watch them
1: yeah i'll, I'll <laughs> tell you afterwards but i can i literally could think of one person on the spot right now and they're mostly like fashion bloggers or yeah. lifestyle bloggers but they totally get me with those like videos actually there's one artist she does like she doesn't do makeup art, but she does paintings on herself. It's like a surreal 3D painting that she does. On wow. herself. It's really insane. Like skin and art? Yes. Okay. But it looks, it's just insane. I'll just have to send it okay. to you because I can't explain it. And we'll link her <laughs> yeah. in the show notes too. But her paintings are really amazing, but it's kind of a little like, it's a little freaky because, you know, she will draw like a third eye on herself and it looks real. So she would walk through Times squares and people like staring at her, you know, so that kind of makes me feel more like she is very aware of her art, like she is different and unique and she can, you know, have a really spectacular feed, but she can also walk the walk and be like, Hey, I know people stare at me. I know this is different. And it makes you feel like you're being invited into her work because so. she
0: captures it on video and exactly. Puts it out there. Mm-hmm. exactly because
1: awesome. you can't capture them on a photo.
0: Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> So Estrella, I wanted to ask you, for people who are maybe, you know, didn't grow up with video or they're more camera shy, do you have any tips on how to kind of get out of that comfort zone and and try video for yourself?
2: Yeah, for sure. Because after talking with a lot of people about why they actually aren't doing video, I found that there's like a common thread and it's often that they feel they are lacking in some way, you know, they're not enough. And they'll say things like, I'm not charismatic enough to be on camera. I look awkward. I'm not experienced enough to talk about what it is I want to talk about. I feel like an imposter. Or I'm not tough enough to handle the criticism of someone saying something rude on my video. And I understand that feeling because just a year ago, I rarely ever put out even just photos of myself on my feed because I felt like I didn't look good enough to be seen. Like literally, I, I wasn't quote unquote beautiful enough. Like camera yeah, ready. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I wasn't worthy of showing myself and trying to be a successful business owner until I fit that mold I thought I needed to fit. And so I understand what it's like to feel like afraid to go on camera. And for me, the things that really helped me change was being intentional about changing that mindset, specifically reading books. I love Brene Brown. If you haven't watched her Netflix special, do that. That's on my list. Are you in the arena? Yes. Yes. Everyone watch that on Netflix. And another thing that really helped me was finding a supportive community because it made me feel like I was less alone and that I wasn't the only one dealing with these feelings. And I knew that mentally that I wasn't the only one dealing with this, but to have everyone in like one space really helped me understand that it was normal and that I could get through it. And I also do affirmations. And what do you I mean love, by the <laughs>
0: I love the woo? Love the woo. We weren't planning on woo, but it went woo, you guys. I <laughs> yeah. love it.
2: Is
1: it like journaling or like verbally? How do you kind of do that part?
2: So I do gratitude journaling. I try every day, but usually it's just Monday to Friday. And in the beginning, I did think affirmations were a little woo woo and like not my style. But whether we acknowledge it or not, we are affirming thoughts to ourselves every day. And unfortunately, most of those thoughts are negative thoughts that reinforce that I'm not enough. I'm not special enough to succeed in my dreams. I'm not worthy of reaching my dreams. So I think it's really important to try to catch yourself when you're thinking those negative thoughts and just being aware and looking at how you can change that so that you can change your actions.
0: So I actually really love that you mentioned that, Estrella, when you mentioned that whether we know it or not, we are affirming something. So it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. Well, then, yeah, you're not good enough because that's the thought that you're putting Mm -hmm. out there. So you do have to actively work to change that.
2: Yeah, for sure. At the beginning, it felt weird, like saying like, I am worthy of my dreams or I believe in the woman I am becoming. But slowly it does kind of creep into your brain and you start to feel it. And that for me was Probably one of the biggest things that helped me get over the fear of being on camera.
1: And it's that's f- really cool. So you kind of like acted on it first mm-hmm. physically, and then the mentality and the confidence kind of came later as you were physically exercising your affirmations, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, that's awesome.
2: I
0: also think that being in business for yourself, like whether you guys like it or not, you have to develop thick skin. It will come with time the longer you're in business. But with that thick skin doesn't always mean that you're immune to people saying negative things to you. And the, the thing is, is like, yo, there's just trolls out there. They get off on being mean to other people and probably would never say those things to you in real life. If they did, like, there's something really wrong with them. But they would be, like, people that would never even say it in real life. But because they have the protection of the screen, they feel like they can be mean to you. But at the end of the day, like, who is that person? Is that, like, someone that you care about, is your family, your friends, or whatever? It's Mm -hmm. not. So I think it's just about having thick skin and at the end of the day realizing, like, this person is not anything to you as well as thinking like not everyone is going to have a negative comment it's not like every video you put out there someone's going to have a negative comment it's going to be like one in a thousand or something so don't let that stop you from showing up to let people get to know you and let them get to know your business to see if you know that could be a client or a customer i don't like the trolls so i'm just like ignore them they don't matter And I do think most
1: of the time, just like what you're saying, Estrella, like it's yourself, like you are your worst critic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I remember um, I was, I think it was Amy Porterfield and she is amazing. I mean, obviously she's a podcaster, educator, she creates videos, all that stuff. And one of the things that she shared was she was scared to go on video because of her weight. And I was like, what? Like I never, ever, that never crossed my mind. Like when I think about her, I think of this brilliant woman who is beautiful like and smart and it's funny how we do the same thing and i caught myself in that moment because last year i went through like a i had like a allergic reaction to skincare product essentially and i broke out because of it and because of that experience i wasn't able to go on camera for months and people oh. were like asking me like oh where are you or you know i can tell their there was like a little bit less of a connection than there was before. And so for me, that was really hard. Um, And I felt like I could only go on video if I had makeup and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what? Like after I heard Amy Porterfield say that, I was like, who cares? She showed up and and she even, the fact that she owned up to her insecurity probably freed her from that insecurity a little bit more. Yes. Um, And so for me, I started to put filters on more. And I was like, you know what? Like if this is what it takes to at least for me, like a baby step, to showing up regardless of how I feel like I'm gonna use that filter and that's okay that's what it's there for and then eventually you know you get more and more comfortable being on video but I think whatever it is that you need to do to help get that first step getting out of that fear I think is key.
2: I definitely agree and that's why I hate those like mindsets where it's go big or go home they kind of mm-hmm. discount making small steps towards your goal don't you know, go big go small go medium the important things that you go and love <laughs> it I love it. Yeah. I- <laughs> And I think that's important to appreciate that.
0: I love it. And I mean, it's like, it's also go big, right? It's like, what, are you going to try and be a YouTube star with a million subscribers right off the bat? In reality, like Estrella said, it's like things take time, small steps add up to Mm -hmm. get you to your destination, right? So you can start small, like we're not telling you to be YouTube stars unless you want to be because that's cool. Mm -hmm. I love YouTube.
2: And I think that a lot of people have this black and white mentality when it comes to creating video content, either they're on camera making video content for their audience or they're not. And in reality, there's actually a middle ground, which is to get on camera, but not show the recording to anyone. And I think not a lot of people know that they can do that or think like, if I'm getting on video, I should post it, which isn't true at all. That is
1: so true. It's so funny, because okay, you're like making me laugh because (laughs) people like tell me my friends are like, Oh my gosh, you're so good on camera. Like you're so good. And I was like, I mean, I don't think that at all. Like, I feel. I mean, they don't know all the outtakes that I take, mm-hmm. and yeah. I completely agree with you, Estralla. Like, I, I mean, I still do this today. Like, sometimes if I'm feeling nervous, I just record and practice, looking at myself, like verbalizing my thoughts. I mean, it's the same thing with podcasting, right? Like, this was I actually just listened to our very very first episode. Um, Why would you not do to that long ago? I know, <laughs> but it was a really good reminder because I remember stepping in and feeling so nervous about getting on the microphone and and verbalizing my thoughts you know what I mean like what if I stumble on my words what if I have incorrect grammar whatever it may be (laughs) like I mean let's be real I do that all the time okay (laughs) but I don't care I'm just gonna show up because people are receiving it anyway and that's not the point it's the content right and even beyond the content it's about showing up like just showing face so I love that you said practice on the back end Can you also give us like more tips for people who are really using video to market their business? Like on the back end, like how do you, what's like the first step of creating content? Like do you write down ideas or create a calendar? Like what do you think is like the best first few steps that they should take?
2: When it comes to video content, I think the very first step they should take is decide who their ideal client is if they haven't already. Like they have to have a clear idea of who it is they want to help so that they have a clear idea of how they can help them.
1: So let's use like a creative uh, business owner, for an example, like a calligrapher or an artist like that could because that is a lot of our audience. Like, what mm-hmm. are, Do you have any specific tips for someone who's using video for that type of business?
2: For example, if someone is a calligrapher, they can decide if they want to target someone to teach them how to do calligraphy, or if they want to target someone who wants to purchase their art or their service to add calligraphy to a product. And once you decide which one you would target your video to, you would choose specific questions. So for example, if you wanted to target someone who was learning calligraphy, maybe you could do, you know, beginner strokes or how to hold your pen. Whereas if you wanted to hire someone to do calligraphy for their wedding, you could do content relating to wedding planning or team up with a wedding planner to do a video about how to plan a specific style of wedding. So I think it really depends on who you want to target before you can start making video content that really engages your ideal client.
0: I think it's also going to depend on the platform. Like if you decide to just go on Instagram lives or Instagram stories versus like YouTube. And not to say that every YouTube video needs to be polished, but I do think that there is a higher level of production for YouTube versus like Mm -hmm. just jumping on and putting my dog ear filters on, you know, Instagram stories. So that also comes into play.
2: Yeah, for sure. With every video platform, you want to make sure you have a clear goal of what that video is going to do for you, whether that's share a tip, give a behind the scenes look at your day or like just share some encouragement, you should have a goal with that video content before you hit record.
0: I love that. And I think that will also I think that when people go live on video, and they're just scared to like stumble around, and it's because they don't know what the purpose is. So yes, I love that you gave that tip, like have a purpose for it.
2: Yeah, it definitely helps to have the end goal in mind so that you can kind of map your thoughts out and you're not wasting too much time trying to fumble and say what it is you want to say.
1: I totally agree. And then sometimes with stuff like that, like, especially if there are multiple things that I'm trying to say, because <laughs> I don't know about you, Joy. So when I get on screen, like I just like information bomb, like these are all the notes that I need to like hit. And then if I don't have notes written down, I'll forget. So I think sometimes like, hey, if you need help remembering those things, just write it down and look at it. And like, I do that all the time. Just like yeah, when for you're sure. painting, you could put down like a little light sketch of where the painting is going to go. I feel like in the same way, you can take notes beforehand to kind of process your thoughts before hitting record, just like you said.
0: I'm weird and I'm different on each medium. Like with podcasting, I don't really need notes. Like Diana, Mm -hmm. no, like I can, you just tell me like a topic and I can talk. But for YouTube, I do have more notes. I do like bullet points. So I make sure I hit everything. I guess it's because I'm on camera versus when we record the podcast, like there's no camera on us. Yeah, I don't know. I'm weird. I'm weird. It's different (laughs) on each platform.
1: Okay, so we kind of talked about the mentality behind recording and then as well as like what tips to do before you start recording. So what about after you make the video? You know, I think a lot of people get stuck in the editing phase, right? So can you give us some tips or even like programs that you recommend um, specifically for recording and editing on Instagram versus like YouTube, maybe?
2: For sure. To make the editing process as simple as possible, especially for YouTube, it's really important to have an outline before you start. That just helps you have like a shot list of what you want to include in the video and you can keep track of what you've already filmed and what you haven't. And then once you have everything filmed, you can bring it into an editing software and just tick off. Okay, this part of the video is in the final timeline. This part of the video is inserted. And that way you have like a systemized way, especially if you end up working with a video editor, that document will help them to edit the video like you envision it to be. And for software, there's actually a really great software called DaVinci Resolve. I think it's version 16 now, and it's actually a free software. And there's a lot of tutorials online. It's a little more complicated than iMovie, but if you watch the tutorials, it's pretty clear how you can edit your video using that software. For Instagram, I just use the regular camera in the app. Sometimes I'll record something or a few stories and not even post them yet. So I'll record a few stories and then once I get home or once I have the time, I'll post them with captions or with gifts. And I think that's also important too. When you're filming for Instagram, you don't have to post them right away. You can save them for later. I love
1: that. That's, I do that all the time. So I'm glad that you, the video <laughs> expert, is telling me that that's okay to do.
2: <laughs> I think it's smart to do it that way. Yeah. And it allows you to be
0: in like that moment too. And practically speaking, allows you to have content for later.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point that you don't want to make Instagram stories a priority when your priority should be experiencing your real life. Like your audience can wait for that content. It's more important that you make the most of that moment you're in right now.
0: Love, so when you mention when we're talking about YouTube, Estrella, and you mentioned like having a shot list, and it's really helpful if you have an editor, but obviously, it's also helpful if you're editing your own things. Like what are some things that people need to be aware of? What if they're listening to this? And they're like, you know what, Estrella gave me the confidence to try YouTube. <laughs> but now what? So what are some things that they need to think about when they are planning their shots? Um, you know, the intro, the outro, do you need to say things like subscribe or look at the video description or whatever it is, things like that?
2: Yeah, there is a formula when it comes to making YouTube videos, and that is basically you want to tease them in the beginning and just tell them straight up what they're going to learn in that video. But you want to keep this short, like maybe 30 seconds. And if you have a bumper video, you can quickly insert that before you jump into the video content. I think it's really important that you cut out any fluff that you don't need. Video viewers have like a short attention span. If you are taking too long to get to the point, they will just hit the back button and watch another video and you don't want that. So then after you go into your content, I think it's really important if you can to add some visual elements. So if you say like tip number one, have the tip visually written on the video. It would help if it's in your brand colors just to help raise brand awareness. And then at the end, summarize what you learned. Like in this video, I taught you how to do this. And then you can ask them to subscribe or to like the video. I think it's better to keep it just one call to action at the end. So like you're not saying hit the like, button subscribe leave a comment just pick one and ask them to do that one action
0: i tend to ask people to subscribe in the beginning and then at the end i ask them to leave a comment purposely for engagement <laughs> like I ask a question like let me know below if blah 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 and I do that at the end of the video. Uh just for engagement. That's kind of my engagement trick. We'll see if it works.
2: I've seen some people will ask like say they have five tips. They'll ask it after tip number 3. So it's in the middle of the video. Mm. So the people still want to watch the rest of the video, but now they've been asked to do something. Maybe they'll leave a comment at that point. Interesting. You
0: always need CTAs. Like you need to mm-hmm. ask people questions that make them answer like if you end your question in right so that they like agree with you as yeah. well as like telling them to like, subscribe, leave a comment, whatever. Like people yeah. want to be told what to
1: do. CTA is call to action. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> so I, got all, I, <laughs> I was in
0: advertising and tech for years. I got all the acronyms okay. that could scare you. <laughs> CTA. No, yeah. it.
1: That's really cool. This is super cool because it, there's like the actual storytelling element to it. Kind of like when you write an essay, right? You have like your points, your intro, whatever body of the paragraph and stuff like that. But then there's also the visual elements with the branding colors. Like I love that it's a lot more thoughtful than maybe people might think it might be. So I think that's really that excites me. And I wanted to ask you with the bumper video, can you go more into that? And Like for me, I don't have one of those. I do have a YouTube video channel, but I'm not quite, you know, there's not that much up there. Let's (laughs) be real. (laughs) You know, so I wanted to ask you, like, that is intriguing to me, like what a bumper video is, what it does, and like what you should include in there to kind of market your business a little bit more.
2: So a bumper video, if you think about like a TV show, like Friends, it's when the music starts and, you know, every episode starts with that montage. A bumper video will help raise your brand awareness because usually it includes your logo and your name. So it's like you're raising your brand awareness by quickly showing your logo. So it's important that your bumper video is pretty short, maybe five seconds max, because especially if people are binge watching your content, they'll want to be skipping that over and over again. So keep it short, but make sure your logo is displayed clearly and maybe your name.
0: Let me, I want to share a tip for how I recently just updated mine and I used Keynote. So I'm a Mac user Mm -hmm. and I use Keynote and it's really just my logo. Um, It says like Modern Creative Pursuits and then I have an animation because my like tagline is your creative biz starts here. And so I have that animated at the bottom. My bumper video is literally four seconds long and it's in Keynote. Like it was free to make. So there are definitely like free ways you can do this if you would like. Um, and if this is something you want to do, just like really search like animated YouTube video keynote, and it will show you how to like make animations in keynote.
2: And I think if you have like the paid version of Canva, you can also create animations there. Yeah, you can too. Yeah. Oh, I have. I'm gonna look at that now because I do have the, <laughs> the paid Canva. Okay, so
0: Estrella, thank you so much for all the tips. And now I have to do Diana's bumper video, which I'm very, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like, don't mind. But I'm only doing Diana's. Don't get in line, guys, and ask Joyce to make your bumper video. I'm only doing Diana's. Really Um, excited about that. I'm (laughs) holding
1: you accountable, Joyce. Yeah, but
0: um, I'll I'll do it when we see each other next. But we did want to ask one more question before we wrap it up, Estrella. And it is, if someone is completely new to video, so we're going back to like that lack mindset, that afraid mindset. But now we've given them the courage to start, right? But they don't have a YouTube. They've never been on Instagram or Facebook Lives. What is like the first thing that they should do? What is like the tip that you have for absolute beginners to video in their business?
2: So I definitely think that the best place to start with video right now are Instagram stories. And that's because... It's much more casual. No one expects you to be super polished. Like you said, you can just throw on a face filter if you feel like maybe you need a little extra spark. And there's also less pressure because the content is only there for 24 hours and then it's gone unless you choose to share it. And if that still sounds scary to you, then you can actually start smaller. You can create a close friends group on Instagram made of people you trust. And then when you do stories, just share it to them and they can give you feedback or just to get comfortable sharing your stories with other people. But the most important thing is to start. Going from uncomfortable on camera to comfortable on camera is like riding a bike. You can study all the best ways to learn how to ride a bike. You can study how a bike works. But it's not until you get on the bike and start pedaling that you'll really make progress in that
0: and i mean to your point Estrella is just like what diana said earlier she went ahead like a crazy person and listened to our very first podcast episode and i asked her why the hell did she do that (laughs) so it's like you get better the more you do it but you just have to start so thank you so much Estrella, for like all those amazing tips we talked about the first steps to getting started i love how you said you don't have to go big or go home you can Mm -hmm. do small things and that you don't have to show every recording to everybody. Like It is very smart to just get familiar with where the buttons are and how to stop something without sharing. Like You don't have to share everything, but it is such an important tool to build up that like, know, and trust factor because we've said it again and again on this podcast, people want to do business with those that they feel like they like, know, and trust, and video amplifies that feeling. We're going to definitely leave all of Estrella's information in the show notes in case you had more questions about video. Like this is what she does for a living, guys. This (laughs) is her jam. So definitely reach out to Estrella. And we are so excited to see if you make videos. Definitely tag us if you do. And we'll be there to cheer you on. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll catch you in the next one.